The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra and RTE Radio 1 with me, Tara Lockery-Grant. This is the show where we find out how people do what they do so well. And today we are absolutely delighted to be in the fab new innovation hub in KBC HQ in Dublin Sandwich Street in front of a lovely live audience. Hello! So... In KBC, the future of technology is a very important part of the agenda. And with that in mind, the bank is very keen to support women in technology. And today we're here for the launch of the new mentoring programme, Stepping Up. Sonia Curley, MD of Harvey Nash Ireland, is going to talk about Harvey Nash and their passion for supporting women in technology initiatives and the journey that led them to today. And then after that, Coral. Movaselli is the MD of Girls in Tech and she's going to talk about the agenda for this evening, the future of Stepping Up and the brilliant panel for today. So over to Sonia first. Great, thank you Tara. Hello everybody, you're all very welcome to our first ever Stepping Up event. This evening's event, A Roadmap to Mentoring, marks the beginning of a partnership with ourselves, Girls in Tech and Dublin Tech Summit. Um, I must say we were particularly excited when the event was fully subscribed on day one. My name is Sonia Curley and I'm the MD of Harvey Nash Ireland. We are a global technology recruitment company operating in Ireland for over 20 years. So why am I here? As a business, we are passionate about diversity in the workplace. Recruiting in the tech space for the past 20 years, we can see quite clearly not only the gender disparity, but also just how cool and interesting the careers actually are. So the passion to beat the drum and improve this situation has taken myself and my team in many different directions over the years. Always thrilled we meet so many like-minded people. Let me share some of the initiatives. This is going back a while, but I'm not sure how many of you remember Forfus. Forfus was a government initiative to ensure that the labour market needs for skilled workers are anticipated and met. It was established in 97. I got involved in 2007. One of their key challenges was to make sure that they met the potential future demand for technology and more so girls in technology. So for Forfus, we agreed to survey 600 women in our database. We asked them many questions relating to their journey in tech, and we were surprised to learn, among other things, that only 40% actually had STEM backgrounds. 55% of the women's surveys did, did, did not even start their careers in technology, and the breadth and variety of careers that they had was um, definitely something to shout about. Forfus felt this information would be very much of interest to Smart Futures. Smart Futures um, are a government industry education programme to promote um, the role of STEM to students in schools, uh, with a particular emphasis on role models. So research has shown that a lack of understanding by career guidance and parents and stereotypes for girls um, is, is, is what creates the gap in that space. So we went back to our 600 ladies and encouraged as many of them as possible to engage with smart futures and be role models perhaps in the schools that they went to to talk about the variety of their careers. Um, so from role models to mentoring. The next step in our journey is to encourage as many women as possible to stay and thrive in technology. A great way to support this is mentoring. So my US colleagues formed a program called ARA. ARA is Attract, Retain and Advance Women in Technology and set up a very successful mentoring program. So the next aim is to take this to the Irish market and make it our own and ARA has become stepping up. Last year I ran a pilot project with the help of some senior 
IT executives and friends. Um, Jackie is here this evening, so it's good to have somebody from the pilot that we ran last year. What we did was we had mentors and mentees and we got together of an evening over three hours and brainstormed certain topics. We supported, shared and had a bit of fun. So I was in the process of deciding where to take that next when I met Coral, who had a similar pas passion for mentoring. Um, and around this time, we became key sponsors for Dublin Tech Summit, also very interested in supporting us in this space. So um, Coral is going to speak about stepping up and where we're going next, the girls in tech journey and the panel. So before I hand over to Coral, I'd like to personally thank Tara and RTE for your interest and enthusiasm in this space. Um, our panel in advance, thank you very much. And um, a huge thanks to Maeve McHenry and KBC. Um, KBC have a client of ours for over five years now, and they not only enthusiastically agreed to host this evening, but we're thrilled to have Maeve on the panel. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, hi everyone, so I'm Coral Movaselli. I'm the Managing Director of Girls in Tech Dublin. Uh, some, of the, some of you in the room might not know who Girls in Tech is. Uh, so we are a global women in tech not-for-profit organization. We're headquartered in, in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. We've been around for over 10 years now. We're across 60 chapters around the world. In Dublin, we launched almost a year ago today. So we haven't been here in Dublin for too long, but we're very excited to be here. Uh, what we do is we help on the education, empowerment, and engagement of women in STEM, as well as female entrepreneurship. And the the way that we do this is through the delivery of our programs. And one of those programs is mentorship. Mentorship is very close to our hearts because here at Girls in Tech, we believe that with the right mentorship, with the right access, the knowledge, the know-how and the tools, you can foster and, and foster and facilitate the right relationships that you need at pivotal points in your career to help you thrive and succeed, which is why we're very excited to be partnering with Harvey Nash Global as well as Dublin Tech Summit in our journey for stepping up. And our vision for it is really to provide and be the forum where people can come to, where women can come to and gain the access to the right stories, to understand what mentorship is, to understand how to foster and facilitate those relationships so that you can also be successful in your journey as well, whether that's in STEM, whether that's not in STEM, or that's in entrepreneurship and what you want to do in your endeavors. So that's where we stand and those are our objectives with mentorship and with stepping up. And we really don't have all the answers for this program yet. What you're gonna see through this journey is over the course of the next year or so is events such as, like very much like this, um, will we'll facilitate discussions and different series on mentorship, but we're also looking to learn from you and hear from you on your feedback on what does good successful mentorship look like and where, do, where can Girls in Tech, Harvey Nash and Dublin Tech Summit play and how can we facilitate that as a platform? So today and this evening, um, we have a very special, uh, we have a very special lineup uh, planned for you. Um, the agenda for today is we're gonna have a panel speak um, for, for a little while and then we're gonna, we're gonna open the floor to Q&A and discussion, but do stay put because right afterwards we're 
we're going to be continuing the networking event where you can access and talk to the, your peers in the room as well as the panelists um, if there are any questions or lingering thoughts that you have. Um, and without further ado, I do want to introduce the panel. Um, we have Tara uh, Lowy, uh, Lori Grant. Uh, Lockery Grant? Okay. All right. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm from. I'm from Canada. I'm from Toronto. So Irish names are still something I'm becoming acquainted to. So Tari Lockery Grant, um, who is a seasoned journalist with the RTE, and she's going to be the moderator for tonight. Uh, we have Maeve McEnry, who is the head of KBC's. HR division and she's a coveted woman in tech. She started her career in the dot-com era with Vodafone, then Digicel, then Sky. Uh, so it's great to have you here and to share that passion and enthusiasm that you have for mentorship. We have Andrew Power who is the VP of Equality, uh, Diversity, as well as um, Registrar at the IADT. That's the Institution for Arts, Design and Technology. And he has done a number of initiatives on mentorship and he's going to be sharing his perspective from, a, from I guess, the male angle here, here on this panel. Um, and we have Claire Bowden uh, who is the VP of of product design at Global Payments, which is one of the largest um, you know, finance services companies in the world. And to be honest with you, I've known Claire for some time now, and she's been an early supporter and adopter of Girls in Tech when we first came here in Dublin. And I have to say, she's one of the most passionate and inspiring people that I know. Um, her, her attention to detail um, is is tremendous and her passion for product design and the user voice and, and that customer angle is 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 on paramount. So thank you, thank you Claire for being here and thank you all for being here tonight. Brilliant. So with those two great introductions, we know why we're here and it's really a brilliant follow-up for us um, for the Lifestyle Show for RT, uh, for RT.E to follow up our, with our second in front of a live audience after International Women's Day. The theme for this year was Press for Progress and here we are very much pressing for progress. So with that in mind, Maeve, can you tell us, we'll start with you, for, thank you for having us here in this super cool, isn't it guys? <laughs> super cool innovation hub and the forecourt. So if we can start off, first of all, Tell us a little bit about yourself and also um, your journey through to today in, in relation to stepping up. Coral already kind of uh, gave a bit of, little bit of my background around how uh, some people who have known me for many years are suddenly looking at me going, oh, you're now in financial services. And the reason for that, in one sense, is I've obviously been in human resources for, for my career. But technology is at the forefront of absolutely everything and even now more so than ever. Um, banking is ripe now for the disruptive element that's coming in technology. So the two come together. So my, if, if that's been my background, you know, that's what the attractiveness is as to why, you know, because it is absolutely um, all pervasive technology, put it like that, but, but, but in the good, in, in, the absolute, in the absolute good. And uh, for us here, actually, it's funny that you mentioned the Innovation Hub you've all walked through to get to here. We deliberately have that at the absolute front and centre of our building because we are putting it in the mindset of all our employees, all our customers, all our everything. That technology and innovation is at the forefront of everything that we're going to do because at the end of the day, it's what the customers want. And that's, and that's why we're all here. So for me, the... Um, for us to be able to do that, we need really smart people. 
And um, again, I was just laughing walking through there coming to, to this uh, discussion around all the white walls and all the writing on the walls. Hilariously, it was a really big topic of conversation in the design of the building here because that's, as we know, the way uh, kind of creative thinking happens best. And it was, it was almost amusing, you know, how we tested out some of the, the white walls. But we need smart people. That's how they work. It's great to see it um, and to see, you know, the, the, the whole creative thought process. And, you know, neither gender has the, um, the kind of the monopoly on, on being smart. And for us, it's, it's, and I suppose this has followed me throughout my entire career, uh, for us to really get the creative side, the tech, the, what customers want, we need everybody looking at that. And because, as we all know, women will look at different things, whatever about looking at them differently, they'll also look at different things. And we obviously want to be reflective of our entire customer base, as does any uh, company. So that's why uh, it's absolutely essential we have even more women in technology than, um, you know, than has been the case heretofore. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's there when mentoring comes into it. Mentoring is essential because it is precisely, we, I suppose we need to look, and Carl was alluding to it a little bit there, around kind of almost what's the blocker, what's stopping, there's no reason why. Um, and what I really like about the, the, the mentoring side of it is precisely in that type of a relationship that can be built over a period of time, what's kind of almost like what's holding you back, which is why I love the term stepping up for this program, because mentoring is all around making you even better. It's not a negative thing. It's precisely how can you really step up and how can you really, you know, move that way forward. And um, so while it's essential for everybody in the technology space, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about it, because, uh, you know, more women just, uh, for some reason, have this block and it, there's no reason for it to be there. So work on an individual basis because it'll be different blockage for different people, more than likely. Your own personal experience, did you have mentorship coming up to your career to date? Um, uh, yes, funnily enough. And it probably, in my case, probably wasn't... Um, uh, formalised and that I, d I don't actually think I realised I was having a mentoring relationship until uh, further on down the line I suddenly realised actually it was the same person I kept on going back to uh, you know and then I kind of went oh actually maybe this is mentoring uh, in my case it, it happened to have been a former boss so they obviously weren't mentoring me uh, when I worked directly for them um, but I, I now it's interestingly I kind of have a second person I go to as well because you know times have moved on a little bit and this person might be a little bit more relevant for where both I am in my career and where HR is at. And that's kind of why, you know, you need to look at that a little bit as well as who's relevant for where you are in, in your particular career. And it's, it's, I mean, I have found it great. I have been, I have been pushed, you know, I, I have absolutely been pushed, kind of going, well, why not? And really made me question myself as well. Can you give an example, just a small one, of some type of pushing that actually worked and how? Uh, it was, I'm thinking of one particular example when, to be honest, I hadn't even thought about what I was saying, but uh, I, I, people who know me know I have, a, I have a bit of a reputation of getting things done. <laughs> I tend not to be somebody who'll just talk about something and then complain. I, I tend to try and therefore do something about it. But there was a particular instance, I think, where I was getting too sucked up in what was going on in the culture of the place. And there were too many other people who just weren't kind of succeeding in getting things done. And I was getting swept up into that. 
And um, and this person stopped me and kind of went, well, what's different about this in comparison to what you've done before? And what do you really think is stopping you? And when I started going down through it, I kind of realized most of it was in my own control. Not all of it, but most of it. So I can only deal with what was in my control. So I did. I then went and then ended up at the meeting. And then I was nearly sorry I was successful in one sense because it mushroomed and snowballed into an enormous project. Um, but what I found useful in that one is because the relationship had been built, they were the ones who, who spotted, actually, rather than me in this particular instance, that I was holding myself back. I hadn't actually quite realised it. Brilliant. So because you already had that relationship, they felt comfortable enough to approach you yeah. and lift the sunglasses off and yeah. the blinkers and help it, you it was To be honest, it was probably in the context of I was complaining. Mm-hmm. I was complaining as to why something was as difficult as it was. And because they had known me, they, well, the fact that I was complaining may not have been unusual, but the fact that I hadn't necessarily come up with an immediate solution or had kind of thought about uh, what was in, in a bit more in my control. Um, and for me, that was good because it was in a completely different kind of cultural context of, from an organization to what I had been in. Actually, the organization was the same, but I was in a very different role. So therefore, my, my kind of sphere of influence was significantly greater, and I just hadn't I I hadn't kind of really stopped to think that through properly. Excellent. Okay, I know that there is, as we're only tipping the iceberg, but we'll tip the iceberg and then we'll dig down with everybody. So, Andrew, um, if we can move to the only man on the panel. Um, (laughs) So, your own experiences, the journey perhaps uh, to here, and also your view on mentorship. Sure. So, um, as was said earlier, I work in the Institute of Art, Design and Technology. And... But before that, the first half of my career was was in industry, mostly in the technology industry in the ICT world. And then, um, about 10 years ago, I moved into higher education. And IEDT is a kind of an interesting place. I I won't give you the sales pitch about how wonderful we are and how great our programs and all that. You probably probably all know we've got uh, programs in arts and media and animation and so forth. Um, But what is interesting about it, particularly in the context of higher education in Ireland, is that we're the only institute of higher education in Ireland which has a very balanced split of male and female employees at every level in the organisation. We've had universities in Ireland for nearly 400 years, which is a very long time. There's never been a female leader of a university. And in, in the Institute of Technology sector, there's only been a handful um, IDT currently has a female president, but not just that, our executive management team is 50-50. We have two faculties, one's led by a man, one's led by a woman. Um, we have six senior lecturing staff, three men, three women. Heads of department, we have five, so there are th- <laughs> it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. There are three men and, and two women. And, if, and it's like that throughout the organisation. Now, what you'll often find in organisations is they'll say, yeah, we've got 50-50 workforce. But as you move up mm-hmm. the organisation, it falls yeah. away. So we've worked really hard to try and uh, to change that. And these things, as you know better than I, don't happen by accident. Um, so whether it's our governing body, who we ensure is 50 50, I actually think it's majority female at the moment, uh, right down to the different layers of management, we, we work hard to do that. Um, I was formally appointed to the position of Vice President of Equality and Diversity about a year ago. But actually it was something that all of my colleagues on the executive team took very seriously. We were just trying to formalise a process that really was in place. 
And as part of that, uh, mentorship is very important. It's about you know, identifying people who can, you think, develop to the next stage and working with them. Um, I've been lucky enough to mentor a number of uh, female colleagues in IEDT, but I've also been a mentee, so I've, I've seen it from both sides. And I think what's sometimes not talked about as much is the benefit to the mentor as well as the benefit to the mentee. Yes. I think you'd all agree that, that being mentored is a good thing. You know, it offers some advantage. It offers maybe some opening of doors, just some advice. But what's less talked about is uh, the benefit to the mentor. It's a great way, and I speak with some experience, of getting insight into somebody else's um, experience. And I think that's particularly true um, when there's a gender balance, because one of the things that uh, younger women find as they move through an organization is that it can be difficult to find a female mentor at a senior level because there's less of them. And the few that there are get a lot of requests. So it can be the case that um, you may want to approach a male colleague, a more senior colleague, to be a mentor. And that presents its own difficulties. Um, but there's huge advantage to the mentor, I have found, in, in mentoring uh, a younger female colleague because you get an insight into that experience that you might have been blind to. There's a lot of talk about unconscious bias and one way around that is to kind of look into somebody else's. I was going to say look into somebody's shoes. That's the wrong <laughs> way. Isn't it? Stand in somebody's shoes. Look through their glasses. I don't know. Um, so I have found that to be a very useful experience. And I would say it's not without its difficulties. Uh, the first time I uh, was asked to be a mentor to a female colleague, we had a very frank discussion at the beginning. And I said, there are certain things I can't help you with. I can't tell you what it's like to be a woman in an organization. I haven't the first idea. But there are things you can do. So in that case, I was able to arrange some supplemental meetings with a, a female colleague in another college where they went and had lunch a couple of times and, and got that particular perspective. But in terms of an insight into the generality of the organization and how to progress, I felt I could provide that. So uh, there are difficulties, but there are also huge benefits to both, I think, in, in doing it. And sometimes it's just a practical necessity. If you're in a, if you're in a male-dominated organization, you may have no choice. And it would be the wrong thing, I think, to decide not to look for a mentor. And maybe we can talk later about how you go about that, because it can be, you know, maybe an uncomfortable thing. How do you approach somebody? How does that all work? Um, be assured it's as uncomfortable for the mentor being asked sometimes. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's about, you know, it's about finding, it's finding the language, you know, maybe doing a little bit of research and identifying who might be likely to say yes. I mean, who, who, who has demonstrated in your experience the kind of attitude that, you know, lead you to believe they'd be open to it. Um, That's a very key point. But a really, really serious question. Andrew, as a he for she, can we clone you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but you're right. And we want to get to the hands on of how to. And we will get to that. I think it's very important for everybody today. Claire, your experience as well is similar in some areas and completely different in others. Your cultural um, background as well is really important in this area. So and also given your brand new appointment as well, you're a very busy woman and you have really great passion, as Coral said, about this area. So look forward to you to giving us a little bit of your own personal experience. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to start by saying my new title. I'm, you're ready. I'm VP of Global Product Design. That was appointed about three weeks ago. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> and this is, so, thank you, thank you. So from the outside, I am VP, so I'm like that. I'm all good, I'm comfortable, <laughs> no problem, everything's under control. And then underneath, you know the swan thing, it's like, what am I supposed to do now? Um, and it's actually through, um, through one of my colleagues, my former boss, that actually I, I got here in the last few years because he believed in what I was doing and he believed that I could take it one step up um, and I could step up and I go, could go for it. So I'm doing it now. I'll let you know in a year time how I'm doing. Um, from a, I'll just start from a diversity standpoint as well. You can tell I have an accent. Um, I'm French. I lived in Australia. I lived in China. I worked in China. Um, I live in Dublin, in Manchester as well, in the UK. I work with the US. Diversity, I kind of get a little bit of a clue about this. I don't master English. I'm constantly in business, in meetings with people that mumble, that speak Irish, that have weird names. <laughs> all of that is surrounding. This is everything that I, my life is all about. You know when you're a native speaker and you're in a meeting and you zone out for about five minutes because you know you can? And if I do that, I can't. I, it takes me 15 minutes to come back to the meeting. What are we doing with that? I still made it to VP, so you're okay. Um, but basically, I think if, if I look throughout my career, and, and some of you have, might have been in, in, the, in the talk that I did a while ago into how I got here, um, the first person that mentored me um, was actually working with me. She was not my boss, but she was working with me. And... I'm a designer, okay? So when you have that word design into everyone's head, you think she's a good painter, she can draw, she can do all those things, and, you know, I'm a designer. And that's not my case. I am not an artist. What I believe, though, is that design can solve a lot of problems, that we can do loads of things, um, and that we're really problem solvers. That's what I do. I, I solve problems. I love solving problems for people, and I love solving it for designs, for, some, for, for someone anyway, at some stage. And the thing is that, Throughout my career, when I met her and started working with her, everyone expects something of a designer, the nice drawing, which I don't. And then you kind of, I met that person and for three years working together, she kind of said, no, 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 this is, this is not, I, I understand you. This is absolutely not what it is all about. And actually drove me to psychology, to computer science, to understanding the other side of design and the side that I absolutely adore, that I really spend my time, human behavior is so interesting, that I'll spend hours reading and seeing and et cetera. And she, it took me though, I didn't know at the time that she was mentoring me. It took me a few, and Maeve, I'm really in agreement with you there. It's just, it took me a few years to go, actually, I'm here because she spent three years mentoring me, and she didn't tell me she was doing that. <laughs> Sneaky. Sneaky, I know, you know. And I and I actually am a coach, okay? I, I do loads of other things than design, and, and I absolutely love human behavior and human, human relationship. 
And I, I started from that moment, started mentoring people without telling them. Mm -hmm. So I started pushing people, I, whether they, I'm managing them or whether I'm not. I have a lovely case at the moment where um, I'm actually not managing that person, but I know what she needs. I feel I know what she needs. So I'm kind of being the bad cop and I'm working with her manager to be the, bad, the good cop. So I, it's okay to be hated by your mentoree until she realized that I'm actually, it was for her own best. <laughs> But that's kind of that's come where I'm coming from. It's like um, the step up for me means really like go for it. Um, don't don't think everyone else has worked it out and has understood what needs to be done. I'm 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 coming back to that VP title. It's like every everyone is sure that I know exactly what I'm doing. And um, if there is one thing that design taught me is that the beginning of a process looks you know, straightforward, everyone has expectation for you. It's very, very messy, but at the end, we'll get there anyway. We'll have learned something. Worst case scenario, we had a flop and it was terrible, but I still learned something. So that's pretty much the approach that I have with this. That's brilliant, isn't it, everybody? For the three panelists. Um, what Coral and Sonia laid out earlier for us, which is really exciting for all of you here and for everybody listening, is that this isn't a foregone conclusion. This is being worked through. So we are all a tiny part of this in terms of questions, putting questions and finding out how to do this better. So with that in mind, I was looking up everybody's um, who's involved with today's LinkedIn and that was quite intimidating. <laughs> so how do you go from being intimidated and going, wow, to going help? So, Maeve, what would be your, the way you would like to be approached? Oh, that's a very good question in that uh, I actually think Claire has answered it in one sense around the famous swan side of things. You know, you, yeah, you might look at somebody's LinkedIn profile and not realise that they, well, two things. One, we all know how to write our LinkedIn profile, uh, which is one thing, you know, so... <laughs> well, maybe we can bring that to the technology world of learning how to, you know, write your LinkedIn profile. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny, and, but I would genuinely, uh, joking aside, that is so true. I mean, again, obviously in HR, I interview a lot of people. And what I find fascinating sometimes is, um, uh, you know, seeing a CV of somebody that they maybe don't realise I'm part of the process and I had worked with them previously or whatever... And I'm looking at it going, yeah, right. They no more did that now than I did. You know, so as we all know, lying does not work, okay? So therefore, don't be intimidated. We've all been there where you're kind of looking at something, kind of going, well, how did they get there? And it was one step after the next, after the next. They had the same um, worries and concerns as you had going, I don't know how to prepare for this meeting. I don't know where I'm going to go in this. How could I possibly talk to them? So for me, if I'm being approached around, you know, looking for advice, um, one of the most important things for me is that the person wants it and they're, they're not asking me because somebody tell, told them, I think you should. Because that just comes through. That comes through as being, you know, not authentic. You're only going through the process because somebody told you you had to. So for me, the number one is that uh, they want it. Number two is realising that... Uh, I'm not going to give them the answer. You know, that's the whole part of the whole thing of getting them to, you know, so there's no point coming to me going, um, should I do this, should I do that? And having no thought as to why you might do something or not. So I think that's a really important part as well. So if somebody was to approach me 
um, you know, just expecting me to give the answer or just not really wanting to do it. That's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a turn off. Okay. I'm going to ask each of the panel that same question, but this other question I think is very important. It's something I've been thinking about the older I get as a woman. We tend to, and do you find this, especially with your HR hat on, do you find that women wait until we are overqualified, overprepared, we are our own worst critics, and we, until we're 150%, then we'll go... And a guy, no offence Andrew, and, and, and no, no offence Eamon, no offence Mick, yeah. um, and please jump, jump in uh, guys and tell us, a guy will go 75, boom, yeah. ready. Yeah. Do yeah. you find that and what can we do? Absolutely. So we all know that research that's out there about, you know, you know a man will read a job spec and all the rest. Um, and uh, it was something Andrew said earlier that I, I couldn't agree with more. That's partly why I think mentoring... Um, of women is so important because there is no way that you know they're not as good as the man it's just it's a self-belief thing and in fact only today I was having a conversation with somebody and I mean she was even laughing herself going I can't believe I've let myself do this because you know I spend my time with my team and I know myself I have the man coming to me and telling me how wonderful they are and the woman coming and telling me I know I didn't do this this and this because I was kind of busy over here basically saving the bank probably but they hadn't done exactly what they said they were going to do and she said and I spend my time going like you know and then she said and then she had gone and done it exactly herself she kind of couldn't believe you know we were talking to her about something and she was kind of going really and I'm going where are you like just listen to the conversation we've just had in the last half hour so yes that's why mentoring and 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 that's why I think mentoring of women in technology is even more important mm -hmm. because we don't have enough of the female role model to, you know, to... So it, it's, it's just a psyche. It's just a... For some reason, it's some sort of block that people just see. Brilliant. I'm convinced this is genetic. Um, I mean, not only do I see it in my own uh, kids and their uh, cousins and so forth, but obviously I work with students. I work with young people all the time. And there is definitely... Uh, this difference in confidence and um, ambition or whatever the word is, maybe it's not ambition, between uh, younger men and younger women. I think it does even out as we get older. But that is why young men make such fantastic soldiers and such terrible drivers. <laughs> because they believe they're infallible. They can do anything. Risk is not an issue. I remember, I used to be one a long time ago. <laughs> Um, so if you're mentoring younger men, it's not that you have to knock that confidence out of them, certainly not, but you do have to learn, teach them to moderate it mm -hmm. because it's not always safe. In the workplace, maybe it's you know, good to have ambition. Mm -hmm. There's other environments like driving a car. It's really not a good idea. And by the same token, as you said, for younger women, they need to be equally encouraged to be more confident um, because there does seem to be that difference. And it's not a question of ability. It's not a question of talent. It's this innate bullshit ability that young men have yeah. and young women Couldn't seem to withdraw from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you, you talked about being approached by some mentees already. Um, so how has that worked? Is it literally an email, a phone call, a stop you in the corridor? So there's formal mentoring, um, which, I mean, in, in the education sector, there's a system called the Aurora Programme, which, um, which I've been privileged to mentor two people through. And then there's informal mentoring, where just somebody approaches you. Um, 
So I've done a couple of both. I think the thing is to, to, as the mentor, to to really be sure that the person is clear about what they want out of it um, and to be clear that you're the right person because you might think you're great and they might think you're great, but you might be the wrong person for the thing that they need. Um, And, you know, just understanding what their career goals are and whether or not you have anything relevant to add because you may or may not. And then from the the mentee's perspective, um, it's not just a question of, you know, finding somebody who you perceive to be successful. Um, It's it's maybe getting to know them, even, even at a distance if it happens, you know, you may not be a close colleague of them, but you need to be able to observe them at meetings or to see the way they act and behave towards their colleagues, their staff, and, and, and are they behaving in a way that leads you to believe that they might be open to mentoring a female member of staff? Are they actually somebody you want to work with, or are they dismissive? Or are they promoting young women in their own department? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're not, they're probably not going to be a good person for you to seek uh, mentoring from. Um, one thing, tip you can look out for, because I've noticed, uh, do they have daughters? You would be amazed how many men's attitudes, this whole agenda changes when their daughters start coming to the age when they're facing the kind of uh, discrimination that they were blind to before this. Um, and are much more empathetic and sympathetic to the situation if they're hearing this from people they care about. Um, so that, that is something to, to bear in mind, perhaps. Uh, I've been amazed in, you know, because you could imagine somebody of my generation doing the job I do, that I might have uh, acquaintances or friends who kind of think this is all a bit weird. Wait till their daughter is struggling in college or getting slagged off for being the only engineer in class. They become converts, I promise you. I think it's, that's really interesting, and it's a, it is a great tip. It's also very sad that it, unfortunately, that a man would need to get to that level, you know, where his, where he has that personal experience. But I know this is real life, and it's not a fairy tale. It would be great if we could, if it was, as you touched on earlier, in the ge- genetic makeup. I really hope it isn't. I hope that it's a societal thing, and that we can help change it through programs like this. So here's hoping, and it's so great again to have you here talking to us and sharing. I think we need more of that, don't we? Claire, to you. Yeah, so I'd, I'd agree with you on the um, genetic versus um, society. I think there might be a side where we take less risk as women. Um, one of my uh, one of my girl does wall climbing to quite a high level, and you see boys that just jump and go to the top, and girls, they're a lot more conscious about what they're doing. They take as many risks, but they actually think about what they're doing before they just jump. Um, so it's, it's actually, I think it's more, I think it's what society gives women from a very, very early age, which is, you know, just teaches you along the way, whether you want it or not, with your teachers, with your peers, with, you know, oh, girls can't run that way, you know, that sort of thing. It's just, it's something that we and we just have to step out of that and just go you know what no I grew up in a men's world I had no mom at home only two brothers and one dad so growing up in a men's world um, as a woman 
um, you're facing with that society constantly and eventually go, you know what, I'm way better than you guys. So you know yeah. what, I'm going to show you what that is. Um, and I learned martial art. That stopped them for a while. Um, it was kind of for the strength thing. You can't avoid it. They are a lot more stronger than we are. Um, but for the mentor, I've been approached um, a few times. I was saying before, sometimes I've just mentored people without telling them that I was mentoring them and helping them, guiding them. I'm a coach. I've always been. I always want to understand what's behind someone's behavior, someone's will, someone's wish, someone's career, whatever. So I'd, I've always done that. And lately, I've been approached a few times um, and literally, it was just a, hey, can we have a chat? Sure. And then we have lunch. And it's like, I was wondering if, you know, you would like eventually. And it's like, uh. keep going, go on, we're going to get there. And eventually, the mentoring. And it was very flattering, actually, um, to kind of go that someone is thinking that you can actually help them out um, and, and push them, etc. And I think from the mentee side of things, my first question was like, what do you want to get out of this? Why, like, I'm not, again, I'm not going to give you all the answers. That's not going to happen. I can relate um, a lot. I can help you with my experience, with what I, how I see the world, what I've learned so far. But ultimately, it's your journey, and it's what you want to achieve that's the most important. So what do you want to get out of this, and how can we work out around that to get there? And maybe I'm not the right person. I think there's, there's something that... Um, I agree with you. You have to research on the person, etc., and you need to have a little bit of chemicals. We women, we just mm. feel stuff a little bit more, maybe. Sorry, no. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of that chemicals that works with them with someone. If you feel like you're scared of that person mentoring you, it's it's not going to work mm. out. It needs to be someone that you you might get at some stage to a certain level of personal stories to actually be mentored properly. So you need to be comfortable with that. Yeah, you got to have that chemistry there. Uh, before we open it up to the floor, because really keen to hear what questions you guys have um, to put to the panel, um, and also to Sonia and to Coral as well. Blockages uh, along the way, or lessons that you've learned, things that have gone right or wrong, um, that you'd like to share, Maeve? I, I think... Uh, just almost a continuation of where we were in, in choosing who your mentor should be. I think what's, what's really important in that is, so while both of us, or two of us certainly, have said, um, you know, don't come expecting to get the answers, what's, what's really key is that you're, yes, you go to a mentor that you respect, um, which is where the research comes into, and a mentor that... Um, almost like you'd like to be like. So, for instance, I, I'm just going to come... Not a particularly strong example, but if you want... If you go to somebody for mentoring who basically travels the globe 365 days a year and has done it for 25 years, and you have no interest in doing that in the slightest, well, then chances are, you know, they may not be the right... They might be absolutely brilliant. They might be a complete role model, but that's not necessarily what you're looking for. So that's kind of why I think that can be one of the problems, that there can be somebody who is held up as, you know, and you happen to know them or know somebody who knows them. So there's an avenue in there and you think, you know, they're absolutely who I, who, you know, everybody should be aspiring to be. But 
you know, in, in my stupid example, you have no interest in traveling 365 days a year. You know, so it's, it's, it's that kind of, I think that's one of the things I probably have come across. No, I, don't think, I don't think that's stupid at all. I think that's great because it's not just about the job. It's also about the lifestyle that goes with the job as a result. Because that's the key. And that's what they say as well is some of the difference between mentoring and coaching. Mm-hmm. Not to go into all of it, but, you know, coaching is, is a lot around, you know, the performance of a particular action or it, it tends to be a, a shorter focus. Mentoring is precisely everything you know, how your job fits into your life and all of this. So it's not necessarily that, you know, you're going to go to your mentor for relationship advice necessarily, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's how it fits into your life. Whereas, you know, life coaching, you know, that's a slightly different thing again. But in a work context, that's, that's one of the key differences, I think. And, and that's why, you know, you, you need to, to... I'm not saying that you can only go to be mentored by somebody who you absolutely want to be the same as. Not necessarily, but that's where the research uh, comes into it. Yep. Um, Very good point. Andrew? Blockages. Blockages. Um, or, or challenges that you found, or, or lessons learned. Yeah, I suppose uh, unrealistic expectations w- would be one. Um, I mean, if you're a HR manager and you're uh, mentoring a member of your staff and their ambition is to be HR manager, um, it may be the advice is that you'll need to seek to progress your career somewhere else. Um, and, you know, so you need to be open to advice you may not want. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, but, no, and, and I think that there's also this difference between, you know, coaching, sponsorship, mentoring, and so forth. I mean, I, I would think mentoring, particularly informal mentoring, is, is what you do quite a lot anyway with your team. Um, I have an express, expression, and I'm, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's very twee, but I would say my style is, is manage up and mentor down. And uh, sometimes I'm asked, how many people do I manage? And, and what they mean is, you know, how many people report to me? But I always answer one. And they go, what, one? I said, yeah, my boss, that's the only person I manage. I mean, they need to be managed carefully and constantly. <laughs> but I mentor everybody that works for me. That's good. Manage up, mentor down. Um, so I, I have kind of used that, I hope, um, for many years because... It's not, I don't really see it as my job to, to micromanage experts around me. I mean, the kind of job I do at the moment, you know, I have people in charge of admissions, people in charge of marketing, and people in charge of library. I don't know anything about these things, so I'm not going to manage them. But I can help them, I can support them, I can mentor them, I can help them do their jobs better. Um, my focus is managing my boss and making sure that the organisation is going in a way I think it should or contributing to that. And when you mentioned sponsorship versus mentoring, what do you, for you are the key differences there? Well, for me, sponsoring is kind of a, a step beyond uh, mentoring. Um, so, for example, it's, mentoring can be, and not if it's good, but it, it can be kind of the wise old owl advising somebody about, you know, the meaning of life or telling stories about their own career, which <laughs> may, may or may not be useful. Um, but to me, sponsoring is, is speaking up for somebody, you know, for suggesting them uh, for projects, for volunteering them for committees, so that when you're at a meeting with your peers and something needs to be done, you're saying, well, well what about John or what about Mary? They could do that. And being, playing a more active role than, than mentoring, which, which at one level can be uh, a personal relationship, it's a one-on-one advice, but I think being a sponsor, and of course you only do this and you only take on a mentee um, 
if you believe in them. Yes. And if you do believe in them, you should be prepared to speak up for them and to promote their interests uh, because you believe they will be of value. Brilliant. I'd love to get to the stage. I think hearing more people going from the mentoring into sponsorship, it's brilliant. And Claire, for you? Yeah, I think the... The blockage or the thing, I think it's the expectation, totally agree, like to set the expectation right from the beginning. Time, because depending on the person you're going for, time might be of the essence and therefore it needs to be really well managed so that everyone gets what they want out of the, the relationship. Um, and also the, um, and this is probably the designer side of things, um, it's the assumption. So the assumption that you're coming with because you might not have the same culture, you might not have the same um, background, the same career, the same goals, everything like that. And start coming, coming with your own assumption to the table without properly laying them down and keeping some to you, et cetera, might be um, kind of one of those blockages I can see. Um, in my job every day, I, I work with um, people that use software and I try to understand those assumptions of what they have, the expectation that they have of me, um, of my software, etc. And and this is the um, this is the part that everyone is different. So we're gonna have a discussion today and because you have very different assumptions to mine, you are going to understand things very differently than your neighbor and your neighbor. And then what you take away from that. And when you have that relationship with the mentor is to make sure that you're on the same level in that way. I think very good, very interesting. Best audience ever because we are here and it is warm and there, you could hear a pin drop and you're all glued to everything that's being said. So I know that there are going to be questions. Eamon, you might help Mick there with our roving mic um, so that whoever is, would like to put their law of suicide, their hand up and ask a question, um, we would love to hear from you. Okay. Okay, and then Jackie. Yeah. So how does mentorship with an external person look versus a mentorship with someone that you work with? I imagine it's quite different. Very good. Good question. So it was one of the things I was just thinking of that I forgot to say. Um, and But I would think from what we've said today, you can you can kind of see the, the differences of either. I'm, I'm a big advocate of you uh, mentoring shouldn't uh, only be within the organisation that you're in. Um, you know, yes, that absolutely does work. There's no, I, so I'm not anti it, but I, I, I don't believe that the only mentor you can have is somebody in your organisation. In fact, I think quite the opposite sometimes because you could be in the wrong organisation to, to your very point. Um, I think it's very powerful. Uh, you can get different perspectives. You can get somebody looking at it that... Um, uh, it can be frustration because they mightn't understand the nitty-gritty as well. So again, this is where the expectations come from. But I think it can be, I think it can be very powerful because you're getting a complete mix of experiences uh, as well, rather than just the one uh, view from the organisation. Um, where it does work well in an organisation as well, though, is potentially if the person is new to the organisation who's mentoring you that can give you a really, really good perspective um, as well. So both work without a shadow of a doubt. Um, if, let's say just bringing that onto the B side of that, A, a side of that question. If you don't know them and, um, you know, you're looking to somebody outside in a different organisation, how do you approach, what, what way would you think works? To approach somebody in, in an outside organisation? Yes. Um, again, it's, it's, it's getting that connection as to why you would why you would go to them 
now it can be that it can be facilitated via somebody else so you know it could be and I, I don't know what the plan is on stepping up as to whether you know you have to go and find find your own mentor or whether there is going to be something that'll that'll help you with it even if it was an example of you know that there's a list of mentees and a list of mentors at least you're both starting from the same place of understanding why you want to do it yeah and that's Sonia, the most important thing Sonia you can jump in on that actually if you want we get that mic over or Coral if you want to sit together because I think we're going to be asking you two a couple of things but, well, as, as we said, we hadn't quite locked it down. And this is the piece, yes. actually, that we're looking for advice on. So um, I think if we have an event where we have two speakers, you're coming along simply to listen to the speakers, but we're asking you, if you're coming to the event, that you're open to being a mentor and a mentee. So at least everybody in the room is aware of that. Love it. But yeah. I do think we would have to, in some way, then connect you up with each other. And Jackie may talk about what we tried last year, which was simply like the speed dating setup where you got to connect up with each other for 20 minutes over the course of two hours. And connections were formed. Well, I had to be very careful to not ask of the mentors time. I think that was their biggest worry. Mm -hmm. uh, the 12 people I meet this evening, are they all going to want my time? You know, so um, it, it didn't happen like that. And that was something I said I would sort of protect them from and, and, and stay as a conduit. But that's um, just openness to being a mentor and a mentee. Uh, but how we connect people in that informal capacity isn't something that we've sort of fully decided how we're going yeah, to approach. Yeah, and that's the excitement. This is the yeah. launch of Stepping Up. This is why it's so great to be here, I think, isn't it? You know, so that these questions can get to the table and you guys are going to be working on the answers with the help. And just one thing, I mean, Andrew has already said it, so just to remind people based on, on, on what Sonia was saying there, that being a mentor, you learn an awful lot as well. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, to, to mention that as well, that because we've actually spoken more about being a mentee, but actually being a mentor is, is, is a very enriching experience yes. as well. And I, I think I just want to add that there's no, like, there's no level that like, suddenly you're old enough for, yeah. or whatever, to yeah. become a mentor. It's none of that. It's really, um, you're, everyone has something to offer to someone else. That's a really, really good point. Jackie, so you, um, your involvement, maybe you might tell us a little bit about your experience of the speed dating <laughs> mentorship. Speed dating was very interesting. I've never been on it before. Um, as Sonia said, like, you, you have a desire to help, but you don't really want to walk away with 15 like mentees. Um, I think once we got into the swing of it, it was interesting because you did have that time limit. So there's a lot of sharing of, you know, uh, questions. And what actually happened was people had similar kind of things they wanted to understand. How did you progress in your career? How did you remove blockages? I think personally, and we haven't, we haven't talked about it yet is, but it is a little bit associated with Sonia and Harvey Nash about people, uh, women staying in STEM. I think that women reach, and it is a blockage when they come to have family. And they think that they can't, you know, continue in this career and have the family life they'd like to have. So they're interested in finding out, well, I have a family, so how did you do that? What did you do that allowed you to stay and have a career and then move forward with your career as your family got a little bit older and you had more time, etc.? So I found it very rewarding. It was surprisingly rewarding, is how I'd say, in terms of um, just feeling connected to people and kind of thinking, you never think your experience, um, it's your experience, you don't think you're an expert in it or you don't, I suppose, value it, but then when somebody asks you a question, you're kind of really like, actually have something to share here. So, you know, it might be a good idea. You know, I always love that. I think that's always about these discussions, how much knowledge is here with yeah. the panellists, with Sonia and Coral. And people don't realise that until they sit down and have to think about what they're going to say. 
you know? I think there's an interesting question I'd ask the panel because Carl robbed my question about external mentors. <laughs> and Maeve, I absolutely agree with you. I think an external mentor can be of the most benefit. But I, I saw, I was at a conference last year and one of the speakers talked about having, you know, the five people in your life who progress your career. And he very much had an agenda which he wanted to grow his business and he wanted to grow. So he targeted people in industry about who you wanted to connect with and how you wanted to learn from them. And he went after them. And he did that through... I suppose, stealth and his connections. So I suppose there's something f for that to learn for us all, that if there is a position you would like to aspire to, and you do know somebody who knows somebody, try and get yourself in that network event to try and get that, to make a connection, to see can you get some insight and get to that mentor status. Absolutely, and I think that can help you as well, let's say in larger organisations, particularly where you're trying to understand actually how to navigate, not even just the politics, I don't mean that, I mean just how does the organisation work, because we've all, you know, every organisation is, is a bit different, and so having, knowing who kind of the right person to kind of find out a bit about how, like, how, how does this really work? Because you know the official and versus the the unofficial um, is is a huge benefit, and and that's precisely where. Uh, in fact, today, a different context, I was talking about um, stakeholder management as such, but you can use the same in relation to preparing yourself for mentoring around finding out who is the person that can really show me kind of uh, or mentor me uh, around how this organization works and then you happen to know I don't know their head of finance or their whatever and you and you network your way in that way and, and, and to Claire's point it's not necessarily about the position it might be about the experience you have in your CV and you're interested in actually I come from a project program world so I'd like to actually get into that space so how do they do it you know and it can be as something as simple as that or head of finance or I want to be the next VP it can be a variety of things that's great, Jackie. I love the hands-onness of that. You see it, you want it, go for it. Step up, yeah, as the name indicates. I'm aware of the clock and Coral and um, also Sonia would like to um, maybe pull a, a wrap together of the whole thing. I think that's what stepping up is about, really, and, and it's a true form. It's about organically discovering um, and making that relationship with people and building that chemistry and learning. Thank then, you yeah. very much for your input. <laughs> there were some really interesting ideas that came out of the floor. It was wonderful to have the male and female perspective. I think that's going to be really, really important in this journey. Reverse mentoring, definitely something to, to to think about um, and that's what, what, what makes these things wonderful so thank you very much again for your participation and to our hosts KBC and I would love to thank Coral and to Sonia for organising the whole event I think we all would so we'll give them a big um, uh, I've learned a huge amount and thank you for your questions as well learning through those and um, to Mick for doing the sound for us uh, for RTE and also to Maeve and to Andrew and to Claire thank you so much it's been as I said a really good learning curve personally and professionally so from the KBC HQ in Dublin Sandwich Street that's it for the lifestyle show for this week and it's been wonderful to be here in front of this lovely live audience give yourselves a big round of applause We are going to have uh, more information on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and also we're on the RTE News Now app. So we'll have some pictures from the evening and also interviews with some of the people that were here and you can listen back to the audio. So that's it from me, Tara Lockery-Grant and I'll be back with you next week. Thanks for listening. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.